Right, welcome to episode 196 of the Rugby League Republic podcast with your hosts, Tish and Dr. T. In this episode of the podcast, we discuss a possible Super League War 2.0. Michael Maguire under pressure at the Tigers. We debate whether the NRL is becoming too fast. We provide an update on the proposed Super League that has rocked the soccer world and much, much more. Join us as we build a Rugby League community for all. The Rugby League Republic podcast starts right now. Welcome, welcome to episode 196 of the Rugby League Republic podcast, where we aim to bring you the everyday fans' perspective on the greatest game of all, Rugby League. This is Rugby League for the people. I'm your co-host, Dr. T. Joining me is Tish. Tish, have you had a good week this week? Oh, Dr. T, um, a great round of Rugby League, but unfortunately a disappointing round for my beloved Tigers. Um but some good news, they've actually uh, they've actually just uh, actually entered into MasterChef because they're masters at the wooden spoon. Oh, goodness me. I think they've <laughs> they've got a long way to go until well, you know, yeah, let's 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 not take it away from the Bulldogs. Yeah. Uh, well, well done to Parramatta, you know, uh, top of the ladder and uh, you know, at the in the Northern Territory uh, smashing the Broncos as well. You you must have been it must have been a proud Day um, as a as a doc, uh, you know as a Parramatta supporter, um, even the Mitchell Pierce uh, karate kick, um, you know, try was you know it's probably the best try you've ever seen in your life, right? <laughs> no, well, I don't know about that. It was a pretty good one. Uh, look, yeah. it was up there with the the famous Terry Lamb uh, karate kick to uh, the Cronulla opposition's face. Uh, that was that was a, a, that was not in the spirit of the game, obviously. But look. Um, as far as uh, martial arts con- are concerned, well, we, there's definitely a martial that we're going to be talking about soon of mm. a Benji variety. But look, I love how, I love how you said, you know, top of the table. We we still are second <laughs> to the Panthers, of course, <laughs> who haven't lost a game yet. But um, well, look, we certainly got that lesson taught to us by the Dragons a, a few weeks ago, and I think um, I think we're just. We've just picked up where we left off and uh, dusted ourselves off. I think that's a, the thing that I'm. If you're an Eels fan out there, you'd be most proud of that that they've dusted themselves off and not not become uh, you know depressed and and drawn into their shell. Uh, you know, it's a good sign, a, a good sign that it, we've got a bit of mental resilience. And I've said this before that mm. a lot of that I think has to do with players like Clint Gutherson and. Um, Blake Ferguson, actually, who just kind of, you know, has a memory of a goldfish and, you know, can have an absolute shocker in the first half and then become a genius in the second half and do a backflip after a try. Uh, you know, it's a, it's that kind of, those kind of players that we need in the team to just, you know, there's some lessons to be learned there for some of the uh, the other younger teams. I think the Panthers as well, they've dusted themselves off after that grand final loss last year and, you know, you can't ask more, much more from that young team than seven wins on the trot to start the season. I think they're probably a couple more wins away from, uh, you know, a record that was held by the Storm in the NRL era for most wins uh, to kick off a season without being defeated. So, you know, it's that kind of 
it's that kind of youthful exuberance, but also a few uh, good old heads are in that team that steady the ship and make sure that they um, they're kind of mentally resilient. So. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of the name of the game. If you look at the the top teams at the moment, Rabideau, Storm, etc., are, are right behind them. You know, good mix of young and old, and uh, that's what it's about mm-hmm. this year. It's been able to weather the uh, the pandemic and uh, and the, the new rule changes, which has also led to seismic shift in mm. in the game and what it's like. And, and we will definitely talk about that as well. We've got this, a bit of a debate lined up about the NRL. Yeah. Is it... Is it becoming too fast as a result of um, some yeah. of those rule changes? So yeah, yeah. It's, um, it's, former coaches accusing the the NRL of being a bit footloose. That's right. Well, if it isn't if it isn't the 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 ghost of Kenny Loggins from the eighties coming back to haunt us, you know, Rick Rolling us uh, as a, you know before Rick Roll was a thing, there was Kenny Loggins footloose. Um, I wouldn't that be a good. Uh, wouldn't that be a good, you know, we're looking for a replacement for the Simply the Best. Why don't we just go back to Footloose? How about that? And then we could show images of Mitchell Pierce. Sorry, not Mitchell Pierce, Mitchell Moses, sorry, doing that karate karate kick try um, uh, that he did on the weekend. That would be pretty good. But there you go. Mm-hmm. Look, without any further ado, we've got a big one lined up. We've got lots to talk about. So let's just launch into it. Here are the six tackles and tackle number one, the news update. All right, first cab off the rank, and it wouldn't be a Tigers season without talk about 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 the coach being under fire. The, the annual coach culling. <laughs> That's the co- it's a uh, it's the old coach pool of death. Who is uh, the first one to get sacked? And and you know, look, we've already had one, unfortunately, but uh, well, not quite, but. Um, Look, Tigers, Michael Maguire, what's the deal, Tish? You are the Tigers man here. What's happening with Michael Maguire? He's under a bit of fire at the moment. Well, well after losing 6-0, the Tigers lost 30-6 to to Manly, who have been pretty ordinary without Turbo uh, in the start of the season. Like I think they struggled to win their four first, first four games they lost, but then they've now won three in a row, the, the Manly Seagulls. But they came and absolutely destroyed the Tigers and... Uh, you know, thanks to Tommy Turbo, but also thanks to Paper Thin Defence. And that has put Michael Maguire under pressure once again. Um, now, he is actually, he actually equaled Jason Taylor on Sunday as the second longest serving coach in, in the West Tigers history um, with his, with only 51 games, you know. So, so a lot of people say that this has been a 10 year problem, but really, um, you know, we've had Terry Lamb, uh, we've had, uh, you know, Wayne Pierce, I think, uh, ran the team for a bit. And then we had Tim Sheens, who was the longest run, running coach before then. Uh, you know, so the Tigers, you know, they've they've changed coaches on so many equations. But now, you know, Maguire, just because it's one from six, you know, um, you know, he was able to be a premiership winner with South Sydney after ta- you know changing his style on the Rabbitohs side into premiership winners, um, and now he's uh, taking the the Tigers. Um, you know, well, the Tigers, they're 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 just uh, down the ladder. I think. Um, you know, uh, yeah. So, so look, I don't know, Maguire. Look, what I think is that uh, I think it's I think I think I think Maguire. I think the Tigers need to pick and stick with Michael Maguire. Right? Look, obviously, it's it's been a bad start to the season, but I do want to point out that um, 
that Maguire, like, you know, the, the Tigers have played, um, you know, out of the, the Super 6, they've played four of the Super 6 in their first three weeks. But probably the most disappointing thing is the the, the performance against Manly, North Queensland, and, um, yeah, I, I think those two stand out because, obviously, if we'd won those two games, we'd be three from seven, a little better than what we are from one from seven. But it looks like all chances of winning the Premiership is gone, and I think a lot of people are pointing the finger at, at Michael Maguire. But um, a lot of people also saying, you know, maybe we should look at the people who hired Michael Maguire and the people who have, um, you know, had had, uh, you know, have made five coaching changes in the last nine years. Maybe that's the people that are responsible for the Tigers' decade of disaster. Um, <laughs> Doctor T, your thoughts? Should we? Should we uh, should we keep Michael Maguire or should we uh, or should the axe um, come at Concord? <laughs> I, look, I think it all boils down to like that initial reaction, uh, the, the 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 comment you made about he's the second longest serving coach in West Tigers history, and you kind of gave a bit of a surprising chuckle at that. I think that says it all. Like that's it's barely had fifty one games. You know, that's like two seasons. What is it? It's not even two and a bit seasons. It's It sort of makes you think, look, maybe we should give him a bit more of a go. Like, I mean, yeah. you know, mind you, I'm talking as an Eels fan where, you know, I've, I've kind of flipped and flopped about how long we've given Brad Arthur to prove himself. Yeah. Um, but obviously circumstances are quite different. But, yeah, yeah. look... <sighs> I, I can see why Michael Maguire is under pressure. I can also, you'd need to remind people that, look, he has had success quite recently, you know, not that long ago in an impossible situation at South Sydney and managed to bring them that much coveted uh, premiership win after decades of nothingness. And, you know, you've got to, you've got to look at what, led to that obviously people who decided to hire him thought you know he's got some skills there and he's got a bit of a a track record well is it that or is it the case that you know um the stars happen to align and he just happened to be at the right place at the right time so i guess that's what this is all about and you know similar to you know we talk about even wayne bennett probably the greatest coach uh, in rugby league history, you know, arguably there might be at least in the top five of most people's uh, top five coaches of all time. And even then, you know, he still had to prove himself once he left Brisbane to that he wasn't just a one trick pony, that it wasn't just the circumstances of having, you know, virtually a Queensland origin squad at your disposal in, in a, in essentially a club competition. So, he had to prove himself and he did, um, you know, and he's trying to do it again at South Sydney. So, um, and he did it, you know, obviously with the Dragons. So this is the thing with Maguire. I think maybe we're a bit, being a bit premature about yeah. his success or failure. And we need to maybe have a look at, look, if he's saying that there's something wrong with the, the roster and he's trying to do something about it, Maybe give him a go. I mean, ultimately, what we we hate seeing is when coaches are judge on their performances when they're not really given much uh, leeway in terms of yeah. yeah to to come up with the roster that they need and that they want. And so, to me, it's it's kind of hard to kind of judge people when you've not given them the tools that they need and then not mm. given them enough time either. So I think. 
my personal thing is I think it's too early. Having said that, um, obviously people are gunning for the, the Tigers' decision-makers because they have also had a track record of poor decision-making in the past. So it's not it's not like this has come out of, out of thin air and out of, blue, out of the blue. You know, there's a reason why people are also gunning for the Tigers' mm. hierarchy because – they've been known to be poor decision makers in the past. I mean, it's the same, you know, talking as an Eels fan, I can tell you I have a bit of experience and knowledge about this because it's the same story every year with the Eels uh, decision makers. So, yeah, yeah, look, Tish, over to you. Like, if you were in the position now, uh, would you let, uh, if you're king for a day, would you let Maguire, uh, you know, continue? And if so, what would you do to help him uh, achieve the, you know, the, the vision for the Tigers to actually be successful? Yeah. Well, look, um, great questions. Look, what I'll say, yeah, if I was King for Day, I will keep um, I will keep uh, going with, with uh, Maguire, particularly since they extended his contract earlier in the year. Um, and uh, apparently the Tigers in the financial circles have never had uh, more uh, richness. Apparently they're doing really well financially, right? So um, that's a positive sign for the club. But look, you know, if you take a look at the first three years that Barrett Arthur had, you know, he started in 2014. Like, it wasn't until about 20, you know, 17, 2018 that they started playing well, right? So, um, you know, but the first three years was, it was kind of like the Arthur disaster, right? It was, uh, it was a bit of a, it was, you know, it was, and you could say the same thing, actually, with um, Ricky Stewart when he first started at Canberra, which I think was about 2014, around at the same time, right? Um, which is the same time that Michael Maguire was actually on top of the world as well, so... Um, you know, Ricky Stewart's had that same sort of thing. Um, you know, if you look at the Roosters, you know, they had a couple of dismal seasons at the sack Brad Fittler, um, had Brian Smith in there one stage. They kind of, um, you know, were going through uh, their own sort of transitions. So it does take time for, for these coaches to have that long foot turn play. So I'd keep him. That's the first thing. And the second thing is that I'll have a look at, hey, what's happening in the lower grades? And what you'll notice is that, you know, uh, behind the Panthers, the Tigers on the knock-on effect New South Wales Cup are actually uh, coming second. And then I'll look at Jersey flag, right? And Jersey flag, they're actually undefeated in the Jersey flag at the moment, right? So that shows you that there is a nursery, um, you know, and it's a Sydney West, it's a Western, Southwest Sydney nursery of players, right? Um, that uh, that uh, that you've got to rely on. And and really, it's this is uh, this has kind of been the disappointing thing about the Tigers is that, you know, over the years, there have been so many players that have come from our nursery that are no longer, you know, that are no, that are not playing for the Tigers in the top grade. You know, um, you know, you look at teams like, uh, like for example, you look at, uh, you know, Josh Adokar, for example. You know, he was a Tigers junior. You know, Jaden ha- uh, Jared Hay was a Tigers junior. Adam Minto, you know, and then you've also got, you know, um, obviously like you know Benji and stuff. They're no longer at the club. You know, you had um, Ryan Peppenhausen, James Tedesco. <laughs> right, you know, uh, the best fullbacks in the competition came from our juniors. You know, Matt Lodge up in, uh, you know, Brisbane. Uh, you know, you had Andrew Fafita. Um, you know, uh, you know, Aaron Woods. You've had to, you know, Nate, uh, Nathan Brown that plays at the Parramatta Eels. You know, they've, they're all Tigers juniors, but they get taken by other clubs because I, I think the Tigers have uh, had this approach where they've tried to buy themselves out of their, you know, out of the bottom. And, um, but I think they have to look to the example of like the Panthers and, you know, and of, of like other teams that sort of focus more on getting, you know, uh, on their junior development and 
and getting juniors into the top level. I think that's where they have faltered, where they've sort of let go of too many of their young guns. And if you think about their 2005 team, you know, in the early years of the Tigers, it only took them five years to win their their, their first and only premiership. And they did it by investing into their future, which at the time was Benji, Robbie, and, uh, you know, and all, uh, you know, you know, they had uh, Gareth Ellis as well from England, right? So this is what I'd do. I'd, I'd, I'd sort of say, you know, um, you know, your goal this year, Mr. Maguire, is actually to develop our younger players, you know, our, our juniors. We want, you know, we want to have a few debuts happening, you know, this year. In yeah. fact, if you could get 17 debut, debuts happening in the next two years, that is a win for us because you, you're blooding more NRL talent. And he was doing that last year as well. And I think it, it had great effect because a lot of the great players are the young players. And then I'd probably get, you know, I'd probably look to sign somebody from the Super League, which they are doing in Jackson Hastings. But, I, but I'd actually get an English player that comes with the sort of the the tough, hardened steel of, you know, English player work ethic. You, you kind of hear that this a lot in the NRL where a lot of these English players and some of the English uh, coaching uh, you know, the England coaches, they're, they're really big on sort of, you know, working hard um, during the week to try and prepare yourself best for the game. So I'd probably want to get that attitude where, you know, the Tigers will, you know, the, uh, they will uh, not let anybody score against them. <laughs> I think they just need to build that culture inside of them, you know. You look at a team like Parramatta over the weekend, you know, they... um. You know, they nobody really talks about their defense. Um, you know, but their defense, you know, that they tr- they're trying to shut out teams. You know, and and the Panthers are the same way. Um, the big teams are the ones that that really don't like leaking points. Um, but the Tigers, they want to win games. Um, you know, thirty to thirty-two to thirty. So, I think that culture has to change. And um, yeah, that's probably the way to do it. I'd say. Yeah, fair enough. And speaking of that, so what are the Tigers doing? to get themselves out of out of this mess that they're in at the moment because the coach is one angle but it there's obviously the responsibility it mm. falls i guess on on the players so uh have what's the latest on that How, are they doing do you know of anything that they're doing to kind of uh you know st- start the change from the the players uh perspective yeah, well, uh, what I do know is that uh, a couple of things. I know that the Tigers have, um, well, they've been caught uh, at a Sydney pub 24 hours after their Anzac Day uh, defeat, having a couple of drinks, um, you know, to sort of uh, do a bit of team bonding to sort of, uh, you know, get their uh, get their horror campaign off to off to the right track, and um, you know, with the bulk of the criticism. Um, that they've just only won 19 out of 51 games for the joint venture. The players, have, you know, have moved to show accountability to by holding a soul-searching afternoon ahead of their showdown against uh, St. George Illawarra in Wollongong. And uh, in further news, uh, you know, uh, you know, club legend Robbie Farrer is actually going to move closer to the action where he's going to come in um, as a trainer. He's uh, I actually had an interview with him earlier where they're saying that uh, that he's actually. Um, Going, you know, that he's actually got his certification cleared. He's he was actually picked a few weeks ago to do this um, by the Tigers, but the Tigers were, you know, he had to wait his clearance and do the um, the training course for trainers, right? And now he will don the blue shirt of, you know, the trainers. So um, Robbie Farrow, he's a specialist when it comes to concussions, um, you know, being able to detect them as well as uh, provide them. 
So, and I'm sure, um, you know, I'm sure he's a work, he's a hardworking guy, Robbie Farrow. He's he bleeds West Tigers really. When you think of West Tigers, you think of Farrow and and, and Marshall. So, you know, we kicked out Farrow now. Oh, sorry, we kicked out Marshall. Now we got Farrow back, and I think I think this is good because uh, we need we need some of the legends back at the club. You know, um, well, the very few legends that we have. Yeah, that's right. I mean, look, it's good that they're doing that. I, I just wonder whether maybe it's a way to sort of get the the targets to really the players, some of the young players, I guess, to really recognise their mm. the history and 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 not just um yeah, like the players that have gone before them. I think that's one way to sort of connect them. I believe that didn't the Blues do this at one point once they started getting you know was Smashed. it eight or nine years in a row of losses that they thought finally we need to kind of bring the old boys back in and yeah. remind these players that they're part of something bigger than themselves and 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 mm. and maybe to get them and I think it did work um obviously yeah. it got them to break that that drought but um yeah. hopefully the tigers can do something about that uh but yeah the well, well hopefully but I think it was disappointing the Tommy Rodonicus uh tribute match <laughs> it, like you know, uh, you're you're paying homage to a to to a club legend, and they they didn't show up to play football at all. So, mm. um, so it, I think so far it's had the reverse effect a little bit uh, on the Tigers. But hopefully, hopefully, as you said, bringing back Robbie and maybe a couple of other legends were, can help. You know, um, so yeah, we just got to find out who they are, right? Todd Payton's one, but. He's coach of another club, right? So Benji, yeah. well, he's playing for another club. So we've got to, got to figure out who we didn't actually. Problem is, we let go of all, all of our legends, right? So <laughs> that's right. <laughs> all right. Well, speaking of, you just mentioned Benji Marshall. Let's let's kind of move to that story. So oh yes, what's happening with Benji? He's got a new lease on life, hasn't he? Absolutely. Well, so far in the season, Benji Marshall moved to the Rabbitohs. Everybody thought. You know, he was sort of partial Marshall, but now he's become full Marshall as far as I'm concerned. But Benji Marshall against the Gold Coast in an absolute thrilling match. I think it was um, 40 points to 30 in the end, but starring in his, you know, number six, the classic number six from Benji, 5'8 role, produced three absolutely beautiful tries. Um, well, scored one himself and I think set up another three and had a man of the match winning performance against uh, against the Titans over the weekend. So Benji is currently the oldest player um, in in the NRL, and uh, you know he sort of starred in a in a you know in a great performance. But on the flip side, um, the second youngest player uh, in the NRL at the moment, Sam Walker, also was man of the match for the Roosters. And I just love that story where round seven, the Anzac round, were you know featured you know the the legend of Benji, but also the the up and coming superstar of Sam Walker having uh, absolutely brilliant games. And, uh, you know, the next time the Roosters play the Rabbitohs, I wonder if both these players will meet, uh, you know, face-to-face. But, look, Benji Marshall, uh, absolutely killing it for the Rabbitohs. And um, and I think and not just the Tigers letting him go, but but also, like, Cronulla and the Bulldogs also passed on Benji. Um, but it just shows the experience and the ability to play off your, uh, off you know, off the top of your head how important... It still is, and how much the game uh, really appreciates a legend like Benji being able to do that. So I think they had a player survey where it was like seventy three percent of um, of current NRL players listed Benji Marshall as their as their icon, which was the highest out of any other of the other players. 
Wow. I'm, I'm not surprised. I mean, you know, as far as some of those uh, those old players that have been around and, you know, have done uh, what they needed to do for their country and, you know, we had players like Cam Smith and others that, who were still playing until recently. But in my mind, I mean, Benji Marshall has kind of achieved a, a legend status almost in terms of the 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 mastery of uh, the the trickery and the magic that that he so often pulls out and he even just did that last weekend i mean he did a a couple of amazing sort of mm. support effort tries um scored a try himself of course and he still got it i mean you just can't you just yeah. can't help but feel happy when uh well i guess if you're a tigers fan maybe not so but <laughs> but as a, as a general fan of rugby league i think you kind yeah. of you can't dislike him in a sense because you know that he's got you know he's got those skills and he can really bring a game to life and and the fact that he's still got it and at his age and uh you know he just uh, you know he the uh beating the record for the um was it uh was Adam Blair that held the record for most uh, NRL play- games by a New Zealand-born player? So oh, now wow. Benji's got that record, and you know, like it's it's that kind of thing that you know he's not only had long-term um, staying power, but he's also achieved so much. So not not surprised at all that players look up to him, and especially the younger generation. Yeah, uh, yeah so absolutely unbelievable. But look, speaking of. Um, well, he is, he plays in the halves, but there is also another bit of a halves merry-go-round story that's, that we need to kind of quickly get to um, yeah. with the Cowboys. So what's happening with the Cowboys now? Well, look, Tom Dearden, um, the Brisbane Broncos halfback, he's actually just signed uh, with the North Queensland Cowboys. Um, and an interesting move, the Brisbane Broncos did not offer any counter to Tom Dearden. So the North Queensland, Queensland Cowboys have signed Tom Dearden from rival Brisbane Broncos on a three-year deal. Uh, The 20-year-old has made 22 appearances for the Broncos. And since making his first debut in in, uh, 2019, now Dearden will join Chad Townsend from the Sharks, who's also sound for the Cowboys next season, um, and who himself is on a three-year deal. So what this means is that the Broncos, um, they're not going to get, they're going to get rid of Milford. Um, We know that, like I think a lot of people, that's not going to be a surprise to anybody. They've gotten rid of Dearden, um, and, uh, you know, they sort of missed out on Chad Townsend. Um, we've heard that Adam Reynolds doesn't want to move to Queensland. So <laughs> who are they going to have? Like, that's that's the problem, you know. And uh, there is big talk that they're actually going to table a, a massive offer to Mitchell Moses um, and potentially even look at signing Callum Ponga um, away from Newcastle, uh, which would be an absolutely amazing combination if they could get those two but um you know brisbane used to be this club that people used to you know pay you know get willing to be paid less for just to be a part of the broncos uh, but now nobody wants to play at the brisbane broncos what's happened well you know they've they've come to the back of the pack <laughs> or, or to mm. back to the rest of the pack i think you know, there's definitely this the aura of the Broncos has, uh, I think, faded for quite some time. And I think, given how long it's been since they've won a premiership, it's, I think, people have started to realise that it's they can't. You know, the question about how long can you rest on your laurels? Well, 
I think, give or take, probably a decade <laughs> is the answer um, before people start sort of saying, hang on, what have you actually achieved or won recently? Well, geez, when was the last time they won? It's 15 years. It's a long time ago. And so, you know, the, this is, uh, I think people are starting to realize that. So, yeah, definitely the Broncos starting to look like a regular team <laughs> again. <laughs> they, or, uh... Well, they never did, actually. So this, I guess, is the first time that they, you know, that there was no more of that star power. And, and look, and I guess, and we'll talk about this later, I guess this is a perfect kind of uh, fertile ground in terms of context to set up a, a new Brisbane team and, and expansion as well. When you've got, um, you know, the ability of uh, a new rivalry to be formed up there as well. So, um, yeah. Uh, any any other news that we want to get to? No, I think I, think, I think that's it for the news this week. All right, let's close up that chapter and open up the new tackle, which is the last round review. Here we go. All right, so here's our quick review of round seven, the Anzac round. So the Panthers kicked off with a big 24-6 victory over the Knights in front of about 16,000 fans there. The Titans, unfortunately, lost a very high-scoring game um, the, versus the Rabbitohs, 40-30. I believe I believe they were up 24-10 at halftime or something like that or yeah, I think that's correct. So the Souths with a massive comeback, and that was in front of 17,000 fans. Um, the Eels, 46-6, easy winners against the Broncos. The Sharks, uh, unfortunately, were the first victims of the Bulldogs, 18-12 this year, uh, uh, again, well, in front of about 7,000 fans, unfortunately. But look, the Bulldogs... A huge victory, um, a bit unexpected in many circles, but I think Trent Barrett, as a coach, uh, mentioned uh, in the media this week that that victory for him was the best he's ever felt after a victory in either as a coach or as a player in his whole career. Oh, wow. So um, Former, obviously setting the well, bar low there. Did he so right? So, so I'm not sure. I'm pretty sure he would have, but I'm thinking he's talking about you know in club football at least. So. Um, Cowboys 26-24 over the Raiders. Tigers, unfortunately, 40-6 loss against Manly. Uh, the Roosters, 34-10. Uh, the Anzac, uh, they test the traditional rivalry against the Dragons in front of 37,000 or so fans. And the Storm, 42-20 over the Warriors in front of about 20,000 fans. Uh, look, what was your – I'll pass it over to you first, Tish. What was your, I guess – highlight of the round or any particular game or moment that you wanted to highlight uh, that really, I guess, typified what the Anzac spirit was all about and or just generally was a great um, moment in football? Well, I think, um, look, let's be let's be fair. We wanted to, I mean, all three of the Anzac Day matches, unfortunately, ended up being blowouts, um, which was unfortunate. Um, but there was certainly a great spirit around all the teams and, and all the commemorative jerseys you know, so uh, that that went around the whole uh, season was good. I think there was a, a moment of silence at every match before the game, um, and they played the Ode. So I think it was, a, it was a great tribute that the NRL did to Anzac Anzac Day, and sort of made it like an Anzac weekend of, of rugby league. Um, probably, the, probably the game of the moment that I have to point out is actually the Titans and Rabbitohs. I thought this was an absolute fantastic game, and this is what the new rules is all about. You know, just the fast pace. 
um, movement of two teams. You know, you've got six tries by the the Rabbitohs and five tries by the Titans, um, including an, a, an amazing try by Jamal Fogarty, um, where they basically on tackle three spread the ball from their own try line and ended up scoring a try on the other end. It was absolutely phenomenal. Mm. And then you had the performance of Benji Marshall setting up all those tries. Um, an absolutely great game. And, uh, you know, the Titans, they weren't far away. Um, they were only one try away. But then, you know, obviously the some of the penalty goals uh, cost them a little bit as well. Um, but, it, but you know, but what, what a great game and exhibition of rugby league. Um, and, you know, I'd love to see... It certainly shows that maybe the era of defense has kind of gone a bit of the, a bit of the wayside, and uh, you know we've got a very you know teams that have a, an attack-minded philosophy um, can really open up the competition quite 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 widely. How about your thoughts, Doctor T? Yeah, look, I, I'd have to agree with you. I think the Titans and Souths game was, uh, you know, I guess a bit of a highlight of the of the round. Um, you know, the I think there's a couple of other ones that I wanted to point out. I think the it the Bulldogs effort uh to kind of you know, at the at the end towards the end there against the Sharks, they did look like they were in a bit of danger of uh, losing the plot and so it did sort of get a bit nail biting at the end there. And even though it was in front of a very small crowd, uh, you know, you would think Look, this doesn't look like the highlight of the round. It's not like as if there was uh, the football was of the highest quality either. However, just the grit that the Bulldogs showed to get their first victory, and you could see how happy they were at the end, and obviously how happy Trent Barrett was. I think to me that was kind of typified even the Bulldog spirit. I mean, out of all the clubs, uh, you know that. Uh, especially in, in like the the traditional kind of Sydney clubs we're talking about, you know, each of them have their own, you know, character in a way and the way that they've marketed themselves. You know, you look at Manly as the silver tails and all that kind of thing. And if you're talking about, you know, in Anzac round and post Tommy Radonica's passing away recently, you kind of think, you know, you'd want to see more of this kind of, teams that show a lot of grit and a lot of heart and soul and I think the Bulldogs did show a lot of that you know they have always talked about themselves up as being you know uh, just like a Bulldog you know but basically showing a lot of grit and determination and being a family club and all that kind of thing and and they put it they they really look the Sharks should have won on paper should have won that match and the Bulldogs weren't weren't going to uh, let an opportunity slip and, and wanted to get their first win of the year. And so, well done. Let's see what whether they can continue that and build on that uh, because, you know, in many ways they ambushed the Sharks. I think the Sharks didn't expect that. But um, other clubs will be ready for them now. So the Bulldogs have definitely stepped up. And uh, to me, that was also a highlight, even though it wouldn't be that you're typical highlight of the round i think the fact that it sort of showed how determined they are as a club to get back on onto the winner's podium i think that um yeah well done to them i think it's it's a great effort um but yeah obviously my my moment obviously that my highlight real moment is uh, not just the benji marshall kind of uh, there was a couple of benji marshall moments but really to me yeah the the mitchell moses um you oh, know yes kick he had to run outside the field to play run back in just made it in and then kicked it uh karate kick style to um uh clint gutherson uh for the try look amazing 
athleticism and effort and, again, determination to not let, uh, you know, just really just focus on attacking the ball and, and getting to it first. And I think, um, yeah, good effort, Mitchell. I mean, you know, he, he has this sort of tendency to pull off these amazing um, moments and then and then sometimes I think some fans fear that he goes missing in a big game. So hopefully yeah. he can he can keep that up and just be consistent and be there as the uh, the the Eels playmaker when they need him most. So all right, well that's that's the round seven, the Anzac round. So let's move on to tackle number three, which is our spotlight on uh, an issue of the day, which is the NRL. Is it headed towards Super League War two All right. So the spotlight for today is on the NRL. Um, uh, some some things happening within the NRL, and and there's been a lot of discussion about the the kind of um, uh, you know the links to this European Super League and what's been happening with. Uh, uh, in the soccer uh, scenario, which we'll talk about later as well, but but there's been a bit of kind of self-reflection, I think, within the media about the NRL and what it wants to do to expand the game and to improve the game. Uh, there's been some talks apparently between some clubs and the NRL CEO Andrew Abdo as well around some possible, um, uh, I guess, uh, possible scenario where a a conference a two conference setup is being suggested to to leverage the fact that you know we already have some divisions in the game and and we need to maybe shake up the game a little bit to to make it less predictable i guess in terms of the competition and i think one of the suggestions that's been put forward is this two conference system where one conference would be entirely made up of uh sydney teams and another one would be sort of non-Sydney teams. Um, Wayne Bennett has come out and, and spoken about and supported that, that proposal, uh, suggesting that, you know, what we need to do is take advantage of the fact that the, the Sydney clubs, NRL clubs, have great kind of rivalries that we need to take advantage of. And one way to take advantage of that is to put them all in a conference where those teams play each other twice a year. And then you play everyone else, uh, the rest of the, the, the NRL in, uh, in the other conference once a year. And so there's some pros and cons to that, but look, I guess the, 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 the general thing that I wanted to kick off was this idea of, um, you know, there's there's a lot of ideas that we've we've spoken about as well in the past, Tish, around how could you set up, um, how could you restructure the NRL to to make it less predictable? Because that's what it's seeming at the moment that there is the haves and the have-nots. You know, we've already mm-hmm. talked about the top eight seems like it's already settled and it's so early in the season, and uh, obviously that's not the case. But it feels like that to some people, and certainly the media is uh, playing up the angle of, you know, we need to do something to shake it up. And with Peter Volandis there and Andrew Abdo, new CEO, you know, there's there's talk about we need to expand. We, we're looking at Brisbane. We're looking at a second New Zealand team. And one way to do that is to set up and structure this the, the NRL in a way that allows for more expansion more quickly. And one of the ways to do that is via conference setup. So, let me just raise that with you. Tish, what are your thoughts about, um, you know, the, the restruct- potentially restructuring the NRL 
to have different uh, conferences or divisions. Um, what are your thoughts on that in general? And then we can talk about, you know, do we have a specific some ideas out there that are better than the ones that have been proposed around how you could actually set that up uh, to take advantage of, um, you know, the rivalries, but also to make it fairer for everyone. Uh, what are your thoughts in general about the conference kind of setup? Yeah, well, look, I think um, I think expansion. First of all, let's just say this. I think expansion is gonna is necessary because um, if, if if you don't expand rugby league, um, you know, if you don't have teams in different areas, um, you know, succeeding and sort of taking care of junior development, you know, there'll be certain parts where other codes can get in, and you know, other other uh, you know other sports, you know, and not just sports these days, other forms of entertainment can sort of dominate where rugby league has previously dominated. So I think the fact that if you could get um, more teams, like, you know, just talking Australia-wide, um, I think it's important. And I think if you could do divisions to try and sort of spread the talent out a bit more, um, then I think that could work. Um, because, you know, we do see the two-tier, and a lot of people talked about the two-tier or the three tiers of, of rugby league that we have at the moment. So, you know, if you've got different divisions and you've got the whole divisional rivalry happening and the divisional playoffs and not every team sort of plays the other teams the same amount of times and it's sort of a bit more structured i think you could even increase the level of rivalry um you know that's certainly what happens in the nfl nfl you know you've got divisional rivals um like for example you'd have something like i think it's the vikings taking on the patriots i think they're in the same division right um or the steelers i should say um um but, you know, even though mm. these teams might not be, a head, you know, necessarily, you know, a top, you know, a top two team in their in their playoffs or something, the fact that, the you know, whoever can become on top of the division becomes important, right? So, um, so, so they, they have a rivalry. So I think a lot more, so I think with the divisions, what it does mean is that there's a lot more meaningful games throughout the season which is important, you know, particularly around origin season where the focus is on origin and not necessarily the NRL. So I think from that point of view, um, I think the divisional uh, conferences and everything will work. Um, why there's such a, a lack of players, it seems to be at the moment. Well, I think what it is is the NRL understand that they're NRL, but what they uh, what they forgot is that it stands for National Rugby League and not the National Roosters League. Um, uh, or the National Rabbitohs League, <laughs> you know, or the National Craig Bellamy League. In that, you know, um, uh, you know, like these bigger clubs get exemptions for certain things that smaller clubs, frankly, do not. Uh, you know, for example, you know, players that are too young to play in the competition allowed to play in the competition for no real rhyme or reason. You know, um, uh, you know, you even had the head concussion. Uh, you know. Uh, sort of protocols change, which which needed to happen, but the first two clubs that actually take advantage of it are the Roosters and the Storm, right? Um, <laughs> for so 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 if you create a competition or a certain set of circumstances that certainly um, allows for some teams to have an advantage over another, I think that's where you're going to create the division, and I think with most of the clubs. Well, a few of the clubs that are in the, the that top six, I think they've had a lot of um, exemptions or overlooks that that, that sort of uh, 
that are, that are a bit dubious, and I think that's actually helped. Whereas some of the bottom clubs, um, you know, really like you think about a team like the Titans, right? What if you know, what type of apart from sort of being financially supported in the first few years, you know, I mean, you kind of expect to where they are based on you know the lack of exemptions they get from the NRL these days. You know, so anyways, that's that's probably a debate for another time. But I think, look, yeah, I think divisional is the way to go, just because. Um, you know, you have more teams in more areas, and you get a better, bigger sense of of rivalry between divisional uh, competitors, which also therefore means that even though you may not have a a very competitive, um, you, you know, competitive teams uh, like overall, they might be competitive within their division, which which becomes very important. And you know, and I think that that will. And I think that's what you need to do. And and I think the NRL is already set up to do um, four divisions anyway, right? If you take them in, in groups of four, you know, you've got the four, you know, Western Sydney teams. Um, you know, if you consider the Dragons to be an out-of-Sydney uh, team, then you've got, you know, the four Eastern Suburbs teams. Then you've then got the, the four sort of regional New South Wales teams and the Dragons, um, you know, the Knights, Canberra and I'm going to throw in Melbourne because they don't fit anywhere else. And then what you've about, got what about Newcastle? Oh, so you oh, said Newcastle. that. Uh, no, so yeah. you said the Knights, but what about Manly? Oh, Manly will be part. So it'd be Manly. I would say it'd be Manly. Uh, so, so we're going to call it the coastal teams, right? The like you know the Shire, um, Bondi. <laughs> Maroubra. The, 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 the beach teams, basically. The beach teams, yeah. The beach. Uh, teams. The beach teams plus Souths. Yeah. What well. well Oh, I suppose Redfern, but then you know, well, what Maroubra and Malabar? What is that like? Isn't that part of the area too? So um, it's close enough. I mean, yeah, I see yeah, what you mean. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So the yeah, so you got the eastern sub, yeah, the two eastern suburbs teams, and the northern beaches and the uh, and the southern shire. You know, so the coastal teams, um, yeah, the the regional team, the regional conference, uh, like regional New South Wales, uh, and you include you know the Melbourne Storm or the you know, Albury Storm. I don't know. And then, um, <laughs> just to put it in there, and then you have like you know, um, Brisbane and New Zealand, you know, um, sort of but yeah, sorry, it, Queensland and New Zealand. But what it, I guess part of the the this is what's come out with the this idea of a Sydney conference and then non Sydney conference is that you you're disadvantaging the non Sydney conference or, or whatever you you know, and even in this situation where we're talking about smaller subdivisions, mm. sub conferences, um, you're still you're still disadvantaging those teams that have to travel heaps. So okay. Storm and New Zealand, etc. you know, yep. New Zealand has no choice really, but I mean, you know, with the others, they're, they're constantly, they're going to have to travel further than, yep. than they would normally. So I think yep. that's part of the problem as well. Um, the, how the, do you deal is, with that? Well, yeah, that's a very good point, except uh, have you ever tried to get out of Leichhardt, right? So maybe <laughs> Leichhardt to Pen- Penrith versus... Uh, you know, uh, North Queensland to the Gold Coast. It may be the same distance when it comes to time, <laughs> depending <laughs> on your mode of transport. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. So, so the congestion. Yeah, yeah. So look, that is that is a disadvantage. Um, yeah, I, yeah. I suppose that is a disadvantage. So, so then, how would you do it? Then you'd have to have. Uh, we could still do coastal and western, right? I suppose you could do that. Like, uh, you know, just as long as the new Brisbane team is sort of a bit more. But then, where do you fit New Zealand, right? So, I think, yeah. So, yeah. So we're, <laughs> we've got to go. So, so we can't go. We can't go. 
city and outside of city, you're saying you've got to go longitude and latitude. Is that what you're, is that what you're saying? No, no, I'm not. I'm not. I'm just sort of saying, look, um, you know, this Sydney versus non-Sydney conference is, you know, definitely. Um, <sighs> It's one proposal that we've talked about in the past and some of the problems with that, as you said, is that if you start doing a conference thing and a system whereby, you know, the the grand final is the winner of one versus the winner of the other, you'll never actually get the top two teams in, you know, or potentially you're, you're risking that you're not actually getting the top two teams in your grand final, but you've, and you've always had, you always have like a Sydney team versus a non-Sydney team and, you know, it kind of it it just reeks of it being contrived, you know. It's a fake grand final if you've got a guaranteed Sydney team versus a guaranteed non-Sydney team. You'll never get you know Eels versus Bulldogs at a grand final, even if they're the two best teams under that sort of proposed setup. And I think my concern with that is that it sort of defeats the purpose of having this national competition. In my mind, if you have a conference set up that minimizes the amount of travel, maximize, so in, encourages regional rivalries, which by that I mean it's, it's setting up the system so that you're guaranteeing that you're playing certain teams more than once because it, it means that you've got, you know, potential for increasing rivalries, you know, more likely home and away situation, that kind of thing. Then, then I like that idea. What I don't like is the fact that then that means that you you only uh, you like you kind of semi guarantee um, representation of those regions in you know a a conference final setup. I think that's what I kind of disagree with, and I think I think most people would disagree with that. So I don't know what the solution is. All I'm saying is yeah. that. It's it's in the news. Uh, the spotlight is on it because it's in the news, and there's the, this is apparently what the clubs are talking about. And my concern is that um, you know, if we're not careful, we're going to have some clubs that will support a particular radical proposal, and then others that won't. And if we're not careful, we it's the this is the seeds of of uh, discontent that will lead potentially to another Super League scenario if someone out there wants to do a bit of a cash grab and say, you know, how about I just buy up all of the Sydney teams and or non-Sydney teams and create my own league? You know what I mean? Like this is looking like Super League 2.0 is yeah. whenever we're talking about dividing and, and really it's about dividing. But the difference now I think is Wayne Bennett has more spoken about in about this uh, proposal in support of the fact that it leverages and 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 highlights the Sydney rivalries as opposed yeah. to when you know rewind back you know what was it 25 years ago and it was more about reducing the Sydney teams and getting rid of Sydney teams and now we're talking about preserving the Sydney teams so you know there's benefits really uh, in that kind of a proposal but uh, you know, in my view, I think we just need to uh, take a bit of a chill pill. And when we're coming up with these great ideas, we need to really think them through and what the consequences are and whether the fans are going to go for it. And I think as long as we've got in mind the fans and the clubs and preserving as much of 
as we can while also expanding the game to new horizons. Um, is If we've got those things in mind, I think we're in good stead. So obviously, if it's all about money and cash grab, this is where the fans will be turned off. And they already have been in their droves uh, after Super League version one. So um, anyway, that's any final thoughts on that before we move on? Yeah, well, um, the other way you could divide it up is animals versus uh, humans <laughs> slash mythical characters. Because I just realised um, if you got to remember the rabbits, uh, it's not really the rabbits; it's the rabbitos, which is a human. So yeah, um, yeah, and yeah, the dragons used to be the dragon slayers, not the dragons themselves. Yeah, well, it's a mythical character, and the storm. Yeah. I mean, you can't really call that an animal. So. Um, yeah, Storm, Titans, Raiders, Warriors, Knights, Cowboys. There's exactly eight of those um, versus the animals. So, uh, yeah, that, that could be another way to divide the competition. <laughs> that's, that's good. Or, or clubs with blue in there. In there. <laughs> I don't know. Like, I mean, that makes as much logical sense, I think, as anything, doesn't it? But, yeah, uh, so- <laughs> All right. Speaking of making logical sense, let's move on to tackle number four. It's all football. All right. So an update on this European Soccer Super League uh, proposal. Uh, obviously, last week we introduced this topic of uh, this Super League that was being proposed in soccer and just a reminder, so this is It's All Football. So this is a segment where we talk about other football codes uh, and try and, 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 you know, highlight the links to our greatest game of all. And just to remind us that, you know, in many ways we can learn some lessons from some of the other big sporting codes around the world uh, to, to how we can improve rugby league and improve its expansion and, and, uh, and, and things like that. So in this case, look... The update on this Super League that was proposed amongst uh, an initial 12 teams across three countries there in Europe, three of the biggest uh, clubs in the world. Um, So 12 of the biggest clubs in the world. Um, Well, they have, since we last spoke about it, they have certainly backtracked. And the latest we have is that, well, in the space of a week, we have had the most amazing, um, you know, fan-led fan-led backlash. Absolutely, it like fans really have pushed back against this. Um, it has gotten tweets from Prince William, comments and whatever from royalty. It's got comments from James Corden in, uh, you know, a comedy talk show host in. Uh, in late night talk show host in the US who is obviously from Britain. And so he has given an impassioned plea and, and uh, you know, to an audience that has no idea what he's talking about (laughs) because they're not interested in soccer, but he, uh, yeah, please look it up on YouTube if you can, because there's a, it's about eight or nine minutes or so. So I please recommend everyone look at it because what he spoke about to an audience that didn't understand what he was speaking about really speaks a lot to what we have seen in rugby league uh, where when we've seen clubs, traditional clubs, die or give way to uh, 
a, a new kind of evolution in in the business machinery of the code that we love and the game that we love. And uh, we've seen it in England, in the north of England, with some of the clubs that have struggled for survival. We've seen it in Australia. Obviously, the most famous example of that was when South Sydney was booted, booted out of the competition based on a set of criteria that they failed to meet. And then there was a big fan backlash that led to a big legal battle, which they ultimately won to be reinstated back into the competition. And then, you know, a a decade or so later, um, you know, getting the opportunity to to finally get back in the winner's circle and top the competition. And now it's fair to say that South Sydney are probably one of the top, uh, you know, one or two biggest clubs in in the entire game. Whereas at that point they would have been at their lowest, and and you know, not many fans and all that kind of thing. So really, it's the fan backlash that really interested me out of all this mm-hmm. scenario. And the latest is that um, that a lot of the clubs have backtracked on on their support of this proposal. Um, I think all of the six. Uh, English Premier League soccer clubs pulled out within a couple of days because of the fan backlash. And uh, certainly, um, I believe the Italian, three Italian teams pulled out as well. And I think the only uh, remaining teams were two, the two biggest Spanish teams, the Span- you know, Real Madrid and Barcelona uh, were still supportive of this, um, the last I heard. But I think... What's also been happening is, despite the fact that some of those clubs that said they were going to be part of this pulled out, um, the person who is, uh, you know, behind all this, Florentino Perez, who is, uh, I think, Real Madrid's president, has said that, look, they those other clubs can't actually withdraw because we signed a commitment <laughs> and there were binding contracts. So Wow. Does that sound familiar? Once the lawyers get involved, this is phase two of any anything that's called Super League inevitably will have a silly idea that was never run past the fans. Yeah. Step, step one. Step two, annoy the fans, alienate half of your fans. Step three, get the lawyers involved. I think that's that's a fair blueprint. If you want to run anything called the Super League, that's what you've got yep. to do because sure. it seems like it's a repeat of what we saw in Rugby League in Australia uh, in 1995. Tish, I know I've gone on a bit of a rant here, but look, do you have any other thoughts on what where this is up to in the soccer scenario and uh, what can we expect uh, you know, in terms of what we've, we can see for the Rugby League's future? Well, well, look, um, I think for all rugby league clubs out there, probably for any professional sport clubs out there, I think the first thing is before signing up to any new Super League, make sure you have a prenup. You know, <laughs> prenuptial agreement, um, you know, make sure you have pre, pre-league pre counselling, um, you know, where, where you go and see, you know. And look, let's be honest, you know, Real Madrid and Barcelona, right, uh, two teams that have hated each other for so many years and now suddenly find themselves in the same league. I mean, can this love really last? I think not. You know, what what has Married at First Sight uh, taught us, you know, as a society, you know, this documentary, this this human experiment, It's it's shown that, you know, rash decisions and, and going in there, you know, it, it just means like it, it's it's... It's disaster. And look, you know, if there's a disaster and 
you 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 actually uh you actually mentioned um prince uh prince philip or not prince philip sorry prince uh william prince william and i have found uh on the uh suffolk gazette that the daily mail has reported that actually the real mastermind behind the super league was actually Meghan markle um <laughs> yes so the duchess of sussex or the former duchess of sussex is the brains behind the formation of the european super league right um the paper suggests that Meghan had this idea of an elite football competition to be screened on Netflix under her broadcasting uh, rights of her company, Archerwell. Obviously, it's a cunning plan to to raise funds for their son. Um, and, uh, you know, apparently, uh, Californian business insider Lauren Fisher has actually said, look, everything that is wrong in the world is usually Megan's fault. So it's really no surprise. She's the architect of this football downfall. Wow. Wow. This is unbelievable. This news item to turn into a Mega Markle thing. (laughs) Very, very interesting. (laughs) Yeah. But look, um, there are bigger bigger problems to solve in the world. But I think, yeah, as you said, please consult your fans before you make decisions um, against them. Uh, um, You know, you know, fans are really good at look. South City, we've seen this South Sydney, right? They were kicked out of competition. It's the fans that got them back into the, uh, you know, into the competition. And, you know, you've also got the, uh, I think it's the Baltimore Ravens. You know, when the uh, when the Baltimore team, the Colts, moved away from uh, Baltimore into a new thing, the band kept playing, right? And they started going going to other games. And there's a, there's a great ESPN documentary on that, right? So it really yeah. shows the power of the fans, right? And we kind yeah. of known this for a long time. If there's no fans, there is no game. And um, unless you sort of see that, then you know you got to put it all into perspective. And uh, you know, um, you know. So where, so when a player like Luke Brooks comes out and says, "Hey, we didn't show up, bro. We all showed up, but how come you guys didn't?" You know. But anyway, that's another story. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but look, yeah, look, I think yeah, I think you're right. So, uh, so European Super League is dead, and hopefully, any talks of an elite competition in rugby league, hopefully, will die as soon as it gets started as well. Yeah, and look, rest assured that if uh, they do revive it, <laughs> we'll we'll be first on uh, on the scene to report it and let you know and talk about it. But uh, yeah, definitely, we'll be watching that with uh, interest because uh, you know it's definitely going to be blown back to us in rugby league uh, in terms of uh, expansion and our ability to kind of leverage the. The, do- the big dollars that are that are out there being thrown around in uh, in soccer. So, all right. Well, let's talk uh, our fifth tackle, uh, which is our debate of the day. Uh, is the NRL becoming too fast? Here we go. So Josh Morris uh, has come out and and indicated uh, Sydney Roosters centre Josh Morris has said, look, he uh, he acknowledges that the NRL has definitely become faster this season, but he doesn't want to lose the game to lose its gladiatorial soul and become touch football. So the new rule changes like six again and no scrums following kicks into touch has obviously, we've seen it, significantly increased the pace of the game. Uh, players seem to be able to not handle 
the pace as much and it's actually not not only increased more flow but it's also led to more injuries and head knocks this season than ever before and i think the players are really struggling with the increased speed of the game um josh morris believes that nrl power brokers are walking a fine line between entertainment and losing the game's physicality um and and so he makes some interesting points there Uh, he also says quote this is probably one of the toughest sports in the world and it has got that gladiator aspect and that attrition aspect to it. You don't want to lose that because that is when you start to see some of the best trades come out in the best players. He makes a pretty good point there, Tish. It, we did talk about this once these rules started to change that, look, we definitely do want to see the game opening up and getting a bit faster. But there comes a point, a tipping point, I guess, where it becomes so fast that it just becomes... You know, as he said, as Josh said, touch football. It's it's not about the physicality. It's not about the, um, you know, the strength. You don't get any of that. It is more just about who's the fastest and just go, go, go. And I think there is a danger that you tip the scales too much in one direction. And look, in my view, I think I think Josh is right on this. So I'm interested to hear your thoughts. Do you want to argue? in the opposite way that no actually we it's not too fast it is faster but not necessarily too fast at the moment what are your thoughts um yeah look i uh i disagree with uh josh morris john morris <laughs> good um josh morris yeah uh, yeah, yeah I, I do um and and my point first being is that um you were reading a quote where you used the word gladiatorial um nutrition right something like that Gladiatorial soul, soul, right? That's right, gladiatorial soul. Okay, so so what does gladiatorial soul mean? Well, I I think he's referring to the ancient, you know, gladiators, right? Which, um, unfortunately for Mr. Josh Morris, uh, he has to realize that the objective (laughs) of the gladiators was was it was a blood sport, right? Uh, You know, you you run them to the ground until they die. Right, so that's the gladiatorial aspect. <laughs> Is that what he's talking about? Like you know, like um, you know, like it's a, uh, you know, the you know the you know uh, entertainment over you know over over like you know, um, out of like player welfare. Well, the gladiator there was no player welfare for gladi- gladiators back in their day, right? So, and it was all entertainment. So, I think they kind of do it. For me, if I look at the game, I actually don't think the game is faster. Like you do see some some teams are playing a lot faster, but you know if you look at the West Tigers' attack, they're they're not right. And but there's other clubs like that. You don't necessarily send them way faster. I think what the real issue is, it's not the that the game has become faster, but the game has got less stoppages, which means it's more continuous. Um, and I think that continuous nature is actually probably the real issue behind the game in that uh, we've taken away too many rests um and you know the last 15 minutes of every game you could see both teams are completely uh winded and then therefore there are some really dodgy ways to sort of stop the game um which goes against the rules but in a way the teams kind of need it because they're just so gassed from the continuous nature of the game not necessarily the the speed of the game and um and i think the referees also suffer as well i, I do 
feel that sometimes these stoppages are more uh, are a little bit the referee uh, calling a scrum when it's a very dubious decision. And uh, if you're smart enough as a captain to figure out, you know, hey, hang on, I, I think he's called this one a little earlier than what he needs to. Um, I think that could also be a part of it as well. So, yeah, so I'll say that, look, I think John Morris is wrong. I think he's actually, uh, you know, he's addressed something, but I think he's uh, defined the problem the wrong way. I don't think the problem is the speed of the game. I think it's the continuous nature of the game. Dr. T. Yeah, look, you make an interesting point, and uh, I, I kind of agree that there are there's more to it than just the speed of the game. I think potentially the other problem with what we've seen is is the arbitrary nature of some of the decisions around things like six again. I think yeah. to me the six again thing really still bugs me, and and I think will become more of an increasing problem over time where. I think people will start to realise, certainly the fans have realised that, that you've given too much power to referees yeah, to, to kind of to yeah. give another set of six to a team. I mean, that we're, we're kind of bordering on, it's almost bordering on rugby union style kind of, you know, at some point you could foresee that a team could have unlimited tackles yeah. um, to, to get to the opposition try line. And to me, that's defeats the purpose of the six tackles it's it's about you've got a limited amount of opportunity and it's your it's up to you to kind of do your best with it and then you've got to give it away and let the other team uh go at it so i don't know what the stats are whether this gets backed up uh, backs me up on this but i wonder if part of the problem is not so much the um yeah, like the speed would be part of it, but I wonder if part of the problem is that there's a lot of um, uh, there's not that kind of sense of you know you've got six tackles and then you've got to hand over and get get defending yeah. again, and potentially you know this is where touch football it's about you know <laughs> too much uh, you can sort of get away with several sets of six without without actually having to even tackle anyone and what does that do to you in terms of muscle memory and 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 ability to sort of handle that first big tackler that comes your way you know when, once you're you're defending so um you know so really that that could be part of it as well but you know, look to, to Josh's main point about the speed issue being an issue, I think I think there is merit in investigating it further and what aspects of it have led to more injuries. What you know is there a, is there a connection between the speed of the game and the increased number of kind of concussions and all that kind of thing? Is that really the the fact that you've Increase it to such the the interactions to such a point that you're increasing chances of collision, which is therefore then going to make it you know worse over time. Maybe slowing the game down, you know, in some cases might be seen as a way to reduce injuries. But again, it's a fine balance. So I think he raises a good point, <clears throat> and I think at the end of the season, we definitely need to have one of those. Uh, conferences where the coaches and and others and players get together and have a think about this because I, I think what bothers me mostly is the fact that all of this kind has come about through unilateral dictatorial decisions. Mm, yeah. And I, I think, think that's the key thing. So Yeah. <coughs> somebody somebody pointed to me this out the other day is like when the referee actually blows six again, it's actually not six again, but it's start again. 
Um, as in, like, you know, if you get, you know, if the six again gets called at the start of the set, right, you don't get six plus six, you actually get six plus one, right? So it's start again, not six again. I'm like, okay, you know, I see your point. So I don't, um, yeah. I, no, I don't understand that. So <laughs> sorry. No, no, yeah. So, yeah. so, so, like, six again means that you get another six after you've got your first six, right? You get another six, right? Like, that's what a six again should mean. Right? So uh, tackles, no, no, not really. Tackles now, right? Whereas what they actually do is they don't six again, they start again. Where as in, all right, like, you know, we've got to tackle three. All right, sorry, start again. And then you yeah. start but that, but that is the same. Like essentially, essentially that's the same. Like think about this, you know, you've got the ball, you know, Luke Brooks uh, passes it to, to an opposition player accidentally who knocks it back to your Tigers team, who regathers it, isn't that six again? You get six more tackles. Like you've the possession, the opposition touched the ball, gives it back to you accidentally. It's your your well, set of six starts again. So, well, yeah. Actually, that's, that's actually called restart. So it's start again. No, no, it's six restart. again. Like, in, is that, well, is that the case? I mean, is that, you know, when... Yeah, when because, when Mitchell Pierce puts a big bomb up, yeah, because yeah, that yeah, there's another thing there as well, right? Because sometimes when it's a restart, I think the restart actually means you start at zero, <laughs> right? Oh no, don't get started with that. Oh my god, you've just talked about another pet peeve. Is can we get rid of zero tackles, <laughs> <laughs> please? It's just so confusing. Can you imagine you're a kid growing up and you're trying to, you're a parent trying to explain to a kid, mm. rugby league is about you get six tackles, son, except in this situation where you get seven, and in this other situation where you also get seven. Yep. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so exactly. confusing. And and I think I think what people got to realize, like, let's go back to like if you think about football, like the world game. Part of the reason the of the appeal is that it's so simple to understand, and rugby league. I want to say 20 years ago was actually super easy to understand. The only thing that was the anomaly is what would happen when the ball gets kicked because, you know, there's so many different scenarios, you know. If it goes out and the ball doesn't bounce, then it gets played here. But if it gets out and the ball does bounce before it goes in line, it goes there. If it goes out there, it's this. It goes out here. So kicking was like the only one that made the, where they made it complicated. But I feel like they've kind of made everything complicated. <laughs> Um, <laughs> that's right you know and and now you've got this situation actually where you, you're watching the game and the referee blows a penalty and nobody knows why <laughs> like you know what that's, that's sounding like tish i'm afraid to say it we're turning into rugby union yes i i <laughs> i i i feel that all the time Dr. Tish, so oh, um Let's let's uh, yeah let's not go there and look let's end this tackle before we get too caught up in too crazy. What, what could be too crazy. Let's uh, look. We're in the final stretch, so round eight tips coming up. Tackle number six. Here we go. So last week, uh, I got four correct and you got five correct, which brings my total to 37 and yours to 30. Tish, uh, eight new games, round eight. Here we go. Quick tips. Raiders versus Rabbitohs. Uh, I'm tipping the Rabbitohs. Yeah, I'm tipping the Rabbitohs too. 
All right, Storm versus Sharks. Look, I think this is an easy one. Storm quite easily. I think the Storm as well. Josh Hanna, uh, this could be his third loss straight, so that's the problems there. <laughs> Broncos versus Titans. Uh, look, Broncos show, have shown more promise this year, I think, than they did last year, but Titans for me. Yeah, I think Titans as well. I think they're a team that uh, can, can actually play uh, finals this year. Panthers versus Sea Eagles. Uh, Panthers for mine. Ooh, let me go and upset here. Turbo's planning for the Seagull, so I think I think Manly can actually pull off an upset. I think you might be right. I think this will be the game of the round, actually. Uh, Bulldogs and Eels. Uh, sorry to say, Bulldogs. I know you got your first win, but the Eels are going to win this one quite easily. Yeah, I think the Eels are, are special for this one. Knights v Roosters. Uh, look, likewise, I think the Roosters. I think will uh, easily win this one. Yeah, the dual colours versus the tricolours, and I'm going to tip the Roosters. <laughs> um, Cowboys or Warriors at home to the Cowboys. Uh, I think the Warriors will win this one. Oh, look, I'm going to tip the Cowboys because uh, I think that's three in a row now. Wow, well done. Uh, and finally, Dragons versus your Tigers. I'm tipping the Dragons. Mm, crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. I'm going to tip the Tigers. <laughs> <laughs> I say that every time they play the guys. <laughs> It's a good one. I mean, why can't why can't we set this one up as a uh, you know a, well what could we call it the the Chinese Cup the you know Chinese uh, sponsored by Chinese cinema. That's it. Yeah. Tigers versus dragons, but you're and, right. and, and the Western, the Cowboys versus the Warriors, right? Like you know that could sort of be a theme. Um, you know. Well, you know, yeah, exactly. There's so many ways we can go with that. Um, look. But, but the traditional uh, rivals, Canterbury and, and the Eels, uh, you know, it's kind of hidden in, in round eight, right? Not really a major game, which is really unfortunate because that, that is one of the biggest rivalries in the NRL. So, yeah. Yeah, and it's unfortunate that, you know, at this point in time, they're kind of a bit mismatched in terms of their status on the table. But, um, yeah, you're right. I mean, we've talked about this before about why would we hide some of these yeah. Um, these these great rivalry games, uh, you yeah. know, early in the season makes no sense. So yeah, and the South Queensland Derby um, is there as well. You've also got the Storm and Sharks, where the Sharks won their first and only grand final against the Storm. So yeah, a few different rivalries in just a just in a, in a uh, just round eight. Just so just who knows? We might be seeing some upsets as well. I mean, this is part of the, the reason why you want rivalries is that there's more feeling involved. There's more meaning to these yeah. games. So look, let's see how we go. I'm tipping, as we said earlier, I think that the Panthers and the Seagulls one is probably going to be match of the round. And certainly as an Eels fan, I would hope that Manly, um, it's in my interest to see Manly win this one so that if the Eels win, then we go top of the table or close enough to it. So, um, look, it remains to be seen, but look, that's the tip for round eight, and that is our podcast for today. We have spoken about lots and lots of things, and uh, thank you very much, everyone, for listening. As usual, you can catch us uh, on uh, our various social media sort of platforms, Facebook, Twitter, etc. Uh, check us out on our website, ourrepublic.com, if you want to go straight to our podcast episodes and uh, stream those episodes. Uh, Tish, over to you to wrap this one up. Well, thank you, Dr. T. I'd like to thank everybody for listening. But that's all for this episode of the Rugby League Republic. We're your Tish, we're, we're your host, Tish and Dr. T. Join us next time on the Rugby League Republic. Bye for now. <laughs>